Welcome to Alter Economics Presents. I'm Alex. And I'm Laura. And this is our Snowed In Edition. Yay! Or Iced In Edition. Or or the weather didn't actually deliver much of any of what it promised. Yet. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so we're recording this Wednesday uh, around 8 o'clock or so, and it's just starting to spit snow here, but Jared lives like a half hour away, so he decided to go home straight from work because it's going to be slick and awful and... Because he didn't want to stay in the Spider-Man room. I mean, I mean, I, I understand the option of staying at someone else's house or staying in my own house. I'd prefer my own nine times out of ten. True. But, so yeah, Jared went home. Um, so it's just the two of us. So it may be a little shorter episode. We don't know. I mean. Technically I, the cat's here too. There's three, but she just doesn't talk a whole lot. She doesn't have her own microphone. Actually, there are two mics she could use, but she's just not at them. She doesn't have her own, though. Those are Adrian's and Jared's. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this week we were going to talk about some copycat characters between Marvel and DC. I forget why, what you what you read last week that... Hush. Hush. Batman Hush, where Killer Croc reminded you of the lizard. Mm-hmm. So we're like, all right, uh, that's good enough. <laughs> subject as any of the things something to talk about so let's go with the characters that from marvel and dc that kind of copy each other yep because why not because uh, i thought about doing some independent characters but i didn't find enough quickly and i couldn't think of any because i don't follow a lot of independent books so it was rough yeah and most people that listen know marvel and dc so that's that's an easier comparison yeah then random obscure character whatever yeah, I was trying not to be too obscure. Yeah, so... Although, I don't know, the more research I did on Killer Croc, I was like, is he obscure? Like, does he not do much? It's like, I mean, there's not a whole lot on him. Yeah, but he's still around. He is a yeah. main character, I would say, still. Yeah. But let's go down with our list of who we have that are char characters that are similar to each other. Um, I'm guessing that I probably have more on my list than you, so I'll go first. Cause I, I say that because I have, like, almost a dozen. Good for you. Uh, I, I have almost three. Uh, I, I cheated. I Googled. I was like, hey, what are some Marvel and DC characters that are similar to each other? And Google's huh. like, these. I was like, this is great. So yeah. I admit, I Googled too, but I was like, oh, I'll just stick with the ones I already thought of right away and I'll let Alex have all the rest of the internet. There we go. <laughs> uh, so the first one on mine, on my list is the Nova Corps from Marvel and the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, both mm. are space police. They, are, they have weird alien space technologies and yeah um nova core was uh, created or first appeared in comics in 1979 and green lanterns 1959 mm -hmm. so uh i was going through my list here and i would say 99 percent of my list dc was first then yeah marvel afterwards mine it's two-thirds yeah so <laughs> it happened a lot where Marvel just copied DC. I mean, to be fair, DC was around a little bit longer, so I get yeah, it. Yeah, I never thought about that. And yeah, it's just it is the way it worked. So but yeah, um, Nova Corps. You may have seen a version of the Nova Corps in the Green Lantern, or not Green Lantern, in the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy uh, movies. Mm -hmm, um, yeah, it's kind of I don't know. It's different than the comic book version though, because they just seem like space police. That's it. Versus, you know, in the comic books, they have, like, the actual Nova helmet, which is a good source of their power and stuff. It's all through the helmet. Kind of like Green Lanterns through his lantern ring. Um, but, yeah. They, they change it to be more, I don't know, realistic, I guess, with not just weird helmets. It's like, no, no. They actually are, you know, just cops with, you know, spaceships and stuff. So, but yeah. Uh, that's first on my list. Do you have anything to say about them? Not really. When I came across that, the main comparison was specifically like Green Lantern, the the one guy instead of the Lantern Corps, and Nova, the main guy. I never so, realized that they were just named after their cores. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, in other, like, since there are other people, or I guess they are all Green Lanterns, yep. aren't they? They're all Novas. But are they all Novas? Yep. Okay. Because yeah. I used to think that Nova was one guy. That he, Wasn't he originally like... Um, segregated from his core somehow, like he got lost and didn't know that there were others like him. He might have been disconnected from like the hive mind. The, okay, I forget what the main boss of the Nova crew is called. 
uh, might just be the I think it's the world mind. I think that's their main intelligence, whatever. Um, and yeah, the main original Nova was I believe Richard Ryder was the original like quote the original Nova. He's basically Earth's Earth sector that cop. And then yeah, the Green Lanterns. The main one has been there's like five of them yeah. that have been from Earth. Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, um, John Stewart. Uh, I watched his show. Yeah. <laughs> the Daily Show with him. <laughs> Wrong John. Uh, but there's been multiples of them and from different alien, different alien races and planets and whatnot and sectors. So, yeah, it's just the, like, officer or Nova Corps officer or Green Lantern officer. Like, eh, it's just your job more than anything. is You are that. And then <laughs> Earth is like, yeah, we'll just call you that as a superhero name because we have a bunch of superheroes that have weird powers. And you have weird powers, too, compared to normals. So... You were just Nova. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's first on your list? Killer Croc. Because <laughs> that Whoa! inspired the whole thing. No way. Um, although I did find it really interesting that as I read a little more about Killer Croc, I decided that he didn't really compare as much to the lizard as to Tombstone from the Spider-Man comics. And then when I looked up who wrote Tombstone and who wrote Killer Croc, it was the same guy. Jerry Conway created both those characters there you go. in the early and late 80s. So I thought that was kind of funny that that might be why they're a little similar. Um, they're both kind of hitmen. Um, see, I guess I the way I organized this, I should go a different way. Um, so Killer Croc first showed up in Detective Comics in number 523, February of 1983. So he's almost as old as me. Old guy. And he's been a member of, like, the Suicide Squad, the Secret Society of Supervillains. Very, that, the, that That's tongue twistery. Yep. yep. The Injustice League, the Justifiers, and Medusa. He has an ability to control reptiles, which is one where he crosses over with the lizard more so. I also got a kick out of, they, they talked about what his, like, disease is. Like, what makes him look so reptilian. And there were a few different words for it. Some people called it Croc's disease. I didn't know if that was just saying, oh, it's Killer Croc's disease or if that's really a thing. So I didn't do more research on that. My favorite version was epidermolytic hyperkeratosis. That's that sounds very sciencey. Yeah. But to me it sounds like your your skin is made of fingernails cuz keratin's what makes your fingernails hard. So hyperkeratosis, super fingernails on your epidermis, your epimolytic. And they also called it atavism. And I meant to Google that one too, but coulda, woulda, shoulda, but didn't. They also said like he had a lot of issues because his mom died in childbirth. That's uh, orf being an orphan tends to screw everybody up, it seems. Be it superhero or supervillain. Yep. Like, yep, you're going to lose at least one parent. Yeah, everyone's dealing with loss somehow. And he was raised by an alcoholic aunt instead. And so she didn't make life easy on him. Was always like, you're, you're a freak, all this, blah, blah, blah. And they say that he gave up and joined the circus, which used to be a thing that kids did way back in the day. Which is funny that this is from the 80s, but they like threw back to an older time. Oh, they also said, I didn't, I didn't finish Hush, even though it inspired me to make this list. The... The internet said that that also had a storyline part where a virus infected him to make him even more reptilian. Confirmed, deny? Uh, I only read Hush specifically. They didn't really talk about that in that. Oh. So it might have been oh. in the world before or after that. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I was thinking. I still haven't gotten to the part where Hush is a villain. Because Hush is a villain, yeah. right? Okay. I keep thinking that's, oh, it's the Hush story. Like, it's a verb, not a person. Nope, it's a person. <laughs> yeah, another interesting thing that I ran across, and now I'm kind of sad Jared's not here because I thought he was going to back up some of my DC information. One source said that at one point, Jason Todd, his parents were killed by Killer Croc. But then later they retconned it and said, no, Two-Face actually did it. And I didn't know the validity of that or not. Yeah, Jared, what the crap? Why you gotta be yeah. scared of the weather? <laughs> yeah, he'll have to comment in the the belows or whatever, however the podcast posts <laughs> on the internet, and let us know what the deal is with that. 
And yeah, comparing Killer Croc to Tombstone, or Lonnie Thompson Lincoln. Oh, I forgot to say, Killer Croc's name is Waylon Jones, for, for those who care. Uh, Tombstone first showed up in Web of Spider-Man number 36, and that was in March of 1988. So like five-ish years later, Gary, Jerry Conway was like, yeah, let's make another character. And this guy was an African-American albino, so that was his reason that he was different. And he was bullied a lot, but then he discovered, hey, I'm stronger than some of these kids, so I'll be a bully back to them. And over time, he decided, you know what, I don't need to be in school, I don't need to deal with this stuff, I'll just go work for the mob and be an enforcer or a hitman. And because he was an albino and so pale, he's like, People are a little disturbed by my appearance, so I'll just, like, lean into it hard. And he filed down his teeth, and he filed down his nails, and he started trying to act like a vampire. And that was going to scare people before he killed them. Or whatever. Maybe he didn't always kill them, like, get their money, extort them, To, to intimidate. Yeah. And most people who are a little familiar with Tombstone and Spider-Man know that one of his big side characters, like, common characters, is Joseph Robbie Robertson who um, has been basically a reporter all his life. And it started in high school. They went to high school together, and Robbie would stumble upon stuff that Tombstone was doing and be like, oh, I, I should write a report about this because it's news. And Tombstone very often was like, you write that and you die. And there were other instances throughout their life where eventually Robbie was like, um, you're doing some really crazy stuff, and I'm becoming an accessory, and... I can't let this happen anymore. And so then one of the storylines, I kind of lost track of exactly where it happened. Well, I, I call it where it happened, but like when it happened. Um, they actually say the the further origin of Tombstone, because eventually he he's exposed to this gas because he and Joseph Robbie Robertson, sorry, full name, because sometimes that just comes out of my mouth. So the the further origin of Tombstone is still connected to, to Robbie because at one point they were they were in Oscorp because they, they were meeting there to say like their final whatevers and Robbie was like, I've had enough and actually shot him and like trapped him in a vessel and that somehow released this gas. There's always gas at Oscorp. That's always screwing people up. And so that really turned him further into the tombstone, like further Extra like, white yeah. weirdness. Yeah, I think it hardened his skin a bit too, like the it's epidermal hyperkeratosis, <laughs> supercalifragilistic. Yeah, killer crocked. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I thought that was interesting that w whether they meant to or not, like Robbie and Tombstone are so intertwined, even more so in the comics than I ever realized on looking more up on this. Well, and even still going on now, like Robbie's son is dating Tombstone's daughter, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's still their lives will always intersect to each other. Yep. Yeah, I meant to bring that up, too, but I forgot. I ran out of room. Like, I'm at the bottom of my page. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Tombstone and Killer, Killer Croc. Croc are pretty similar with the mob boss and skin nails <laughs> the stuff. <laughs> the whatever the long term is. Epid epidermal epidermal <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard word folks hyperkeratosis yeah. let's go with that one <laughs> he's got he's got nail skin yep <laughs> all right uh next on my list i'm gonna tie in a little bit with that where um sandman is a lot like clayface from mm. batman from batman's villain and spider-man's villain where they both can do this like shape shifting sort of thing. Now Clayface definitely does a little bit better ish because like he does like full color and like everything like he can, like really I don't want to say um, he's almost more like a chameleon too. Yeah, where he can actually truly shape shift versus Sandman is like oh he's still whatever just in still sand format. He can't like change his tone yeah. and color and it doesn't look natural. Like a, he can't make a full on illusion. Like oh. Uh, here's a train that's of sand. Here's a giant hammer of sand. Mm -hmm. Like it's definitely, oh, Sandman is doing this versus Clayface. He can full on body double whoever. I mean, they did that in Hush last week when we read Hush last week where he would change his body to look like someone else. Like, oh, oh no, you killed so-and-so. 
well, no, it's, it was just Clayface. Like, it's a good old, like, I went down. It was just Clayface. It wasn't anybody real. <laughs> Check the DNA. Yeah. It, he, yeah, he's he's resilient. Um, and Clayface has gone through several, uh, I don't want to say, like, turning of good versus bad. Like, yeah. his, his sanity bounces back, back and forth a little bit. But uh, Sandman was first appeared in September of 63, and Clayface was June of 1940. So, like, mm. there's definitely a big <laughs> time difference there. Um, but, yeah, it's, I think it's cool that they have these similar shape-shifting abilities. And, I don't know, Sandman's kind of cooler because he can be more gigantic than what Clayface usually is. Clayface sometimes is if he's, like, crazy, like, or oh, I'm super mad sort of thing. Versus, no, Sandman, that's just his shtick of he can absorb all the sand around and become gigantic and do whatever and... Yeah, that was going to be my question for a second. If Sandman, since he can absorb more sand, he can get so much bigger. But Clayface doesn't really absorb clay or anything, does he? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. He might a little bit, but definitely not to the scale that Marvel does that with Sandman. Like, there's always convenient, oh, construction site where we need sand. So he just sucks that up and uses it or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're on an island, so there's sand around the the shore. So we just combine that and everything. So, But, yeah, it's... I think it's kind of cool that they're similar. Like, I definitely feel like Sandman's a copy, but definitely not 100%. Like, oh, yeah. there's enough liberties and changes with it that it's not the same, same. Just similar, same. They just took a sampling. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also noticed, um, I feel like the DC characters are kind of a little more down to earth. Like, they're... They're a little more believable on our Earth, which is ironic since Gotham and everything are not on our Earth. They, but they almost try to science it out, like, oh, this is why, or something like that. Kinda. I was going to put the science, but it's more like weird science in the Marvel Universe. Like, it's usually a science experiment go wrong, or like the gas at Oscorp. Always the gas at Oscorp. Or, like <laughs> It's a convenient plot device. Random gas. Gas or radiation. Mm-hmm. We don't really know how it works, so we'll just go with that. Yeah. The crazy science. Yeah. But I still love it. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, ultimately, it's a story that gets me hooked, so. Not true. Uh, what's next on your list? I think I'm going to skip over to Catwoman. Um, I thought she was an interesting and a very obvious um, comparison to the Black Cat. So Catwoman Selina Kyle and Black Cat Felicia Hardy. Catwoman first appeared in Batman number one of spring 1940 and was written by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. And Black Cat came along in Amazing Spider-Man number 194 of July 1979, and that was Marv Wolfman and Keith Pollard who put those together. Catwoman, an interesting thing that I came through on her... Actually, no, I shouldn't start there. Um, She was created to be more of a, a friendly foe for Batman to reform... And Kane thought that cats were kind of the antithesis of bats. Because um, bats are rats with wings and cats kill rats? I, I don't know. Sure. Uh, that's that's the closest thing I can come up with with that. Yeah, I didn't dig super deep. Like, no, no, but like if that's the antithesis, like, I don't, I don't know what the opposite of a bat would be, but I wouldn't necessarily think of a cat. But, well, Kane did. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it, obviously it panned out okay. Yeah. Because she's still around. Yep. And... Oh, they the one article I found actually had a panel from one of the first comics she was in where she was she actually didn't start as Catwoman really. Like they didn't show her in like the little leather outfit and all that. She was actually dressed up as an old woman and burgling that way. And when Batman realized it and he's like wiping off her face and she's like, Ah, oh, stop in this panel. And he literally says, quiet or Papa Spank. And I was like, whoa, this was a different time. It was definitely it a different was... <laughs> time, yeah. That, I don't think you'd see Batman say that these days. Yep. And that kind of leads into, it was discussed on this one article that she showed up at a time when they were trying to make Batman seem a little less homoerotic. They're like, he runs around with this little boy and they're... That wears these tight, short pants. Yeah we, yeah. we need to give him a love interest. But then it, apparently it was too much because between like 1954 when the Comic Code Authority was created and 1966, you see about zero Catwoman. 
because they decided the comic book industry fosters juvenile delinquency. And Catwoman is specifically in trouble because she's never held accountable for her crimes, she makes them look too cool, and she was flirting too much with Batman. So they're like, she's got to go. Comic books are ruining our children. We have to stop that. You know, just like radio did and TV did and internet. Mm -hmm. Really everything does. Like everything ruins children. That's just the way it is. Yep. Children are too malleable, like Clayface and Sand. There you go. That was was a good tie-in. Good callback. (laughs) Yep. So uh, there there is some controversy if the comic code really specifically said no Catwoman, but it... If nothing else, DC was like, let's not risk it. And they just kind of took her away for a few years. Which is kind of, it's funny to me too, because later I feel like Black Cat got away with a lot more stuff. I think that she's a little more raunchy. Although I guess I don't read a lot of Catwoman to make a good comparison. But from what I've read of Black Cat, she's definitely just as flirtatious, just as trying to make everything look cool. Just as not held accountable for her crimes. Not sorry. But she's with Spider-Man, who's not all dark and gloomy, so that's why it's okay. Yeah, maybe. And because Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man makes everything better, if you ask me. There you go. All right. Uh, next on my list is going to be kind of a more of an abstract, like, duh moment. The Avengers versus Justice League. Like, ah, still whole groups. Right. Like, instead, now, the members aren't necessarily the same, but like, oh, here's a bunch of heroes, you know, that we have around. Let's put them in a team because why not? Mm-hmm. And Marvel's like, well, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that too because why not? And it just uh, – and there's J- JSA, Justice Society of America, Justice League of America, which is regular Justice League. I count it all as the same thing where it's a form of justice team <laughs> <laughs> uh, formed together. And then there's, you know, all sorts of Avengers too. There's regular Avengers, Mighty, blah, blah, blah. West Coast. Yeah, like there's a whole bunch. So – it's like, when in doubt, put them in a book together, call this team name, whichever, you know, publication you're on, and you'll be good to go. So, I mean, it works. I mean, I would say the movie industry has proven that, you know, with a little thing called Avengers Infinity War Endgame, where you have a million different people in it and make billions of dollars off of it. So, it works out pretty well then. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because everyone loves a spinoff anymore, too. So, if you've got... When you... F- put out a team and then you can take see who does the best and then take that one person out and be like oh and then this is how they got there or this is what they did on another version without necessarily the whole team but they're still in the background well there's just the whole bunch of oh i don't care about this character but this character i do care about is in this team Mm -hmm. so i'll read it just because the character i like is in there and then i might like the other characters and then branch out from there or Whatever, it's just it casts a wider net to catch bigger audiences. Uh, I know the Spider-Man. I know the rumor was I don't know how accurate it is, but when Marvel made the Avengers, like Captain America, like the core team of Avengers, were like the worst selling titles that Marvel was, pu- pu- was publishing. It's like, all right, we have nothing else to lose. Let's put them all in a book together. Then that obviously worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, this t- this book's amazing because. Maybe not each character is alone, you know, good enough to hold up on their own necessarily, but if they're in a team aspect, then it works out pretty well. And if you add, you know, real world logic, if there are so many heroes running around in New York City, mm-hmm. eventually they're going to cross their paths with each other. So it'd be a team up, a spont- spontaneous team up and whatnot versus, oh, why, why be spontane- spontaneous? Let's just plan on it together. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes sense that they would run into each other. That's why I have a problem with the uh, DC movies with Justice League and stuff like and Batman v Superman where Batman's been running around for 15 years. Superman was running around for five. They just met for the first time. Like, no, no. If they're both <laughs> running around together, they're going to run into each other sooner than like sooner than five years later. But, yeah. Odds are. Although, I don't know, that's kind of like saying more of us who live in the same city should run into each other too. You could travel in different circles. I mean... But I do admit there should be more overlap in their circles. When when there are supervillains <laughs> blowing stuff up, eventually you're we're both going to get the same call. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I guess like kind of comparing it to police officers and firefighters, right? Right. You'd think they'd end up on the same uh, call eventually. Right. And especially with something like that, like 
it would be sooner than later that they'd run into each other. Like, yeah. I don't know. Lots but of anyway, bad timing. Right. <laughs> but either way, it makes sense why, in the books, why they'd be teamed up. Mm-hmm. And what is the last thing on your list? Of course, I had to find a comparison to Spider-Man. No way. Yeah. And this is another example where I was hoping Jared would be here to, to do some confirmation. Because, okay, the guy I found, ironically named enough the Tarantula, I thought was a little similar to Spider-Man. His real name's Jonathan Law. He first showed up in Star Spangled Comics number one in October of 1941. So, yeah, Spider-Man definitely came after this. Although I don't necessarily think in any way that Spider-Man was really inspired by this. I think they're just like, this is what spiders do. This guy originally was a mystery writer, and he saw he was inspired by the Crimson Avenger and decided to become a hero. So he started training in hand-to-hand combat and learned some stage magic to, like, blow smoke and mirrors and all that. Mysterio. Hmm. Almost like... Yeah, I wonder if I should have compared him more to Mysterio. Although the 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 clincher is he has suction cups on his like hands and feet so he could climb up walls and he has a web gun that has a nylon that comes out of it so he can swing on it. So a little more Spider Man y that way, but well, I guess a little more his own self and Spider Man's <laughs> kinda similar to that. Yeah, but uh, Spider Man did it better. And obviously more people know about Spider Man than they do about the tarantula. Yep. And so this guy was also a member of the All-Star Squadron at some point. And the part that I thought would come back to Jared, Jonathan Law was killed in a fire that Blockbuster set in their apartment building because Nightwing was also a tenant of the same apartment building that Jonathan Law lived in. So I wanted Jared to be like, yeah, I remember that. But sorry, Jared. We're looking at your seat where it's empty <laughs> and vacant. Yep. And it also looks like the tarantula passed on his name to another character who was also in Nightwing's book. Um, Catalina Maria Flores was another tarantula. She used to be an FBI agent, and she was taking some self-defense class that I guess Nightwing was putting on in... I almost said 1971. Nightwing number 71 in September of 2002. So after John Law died in that apartment fire, this other woman took over his mantle and continued working supposedly a little bit with Nightwing. But again, Jared, if you can confirm or deny this at some point, <laughs> give us great. some comments. <laughs> but yeah, that was my... list, Jared. We just, all right, A, B, C, D, E. Like, yeah. <laughs> be fine. Editor's notes from Jared. Right. And yeah, I assume everyone, if you've listened to this podcast before, you probably know Spider-Man first appeared on Amazing Fantasy number 15 in August of 1962. So that's about 20-ish years after this tarantula. And yeah, Spider-Man, great power, great responsibility, orphan at a young age, Uncle Ben, miss him lots. Thwip, thwip, go, web, go. Yep. So yeah. Everyone knows Spider-Man, right? You'd better. If you don't, then you're listening to the wrong podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to finish off with a whole quick slew of characters that are similar. Uh, Deadpool and Deathstroke. Uh, Deathstroke's real name is Slade Wilson. Uh, and Deadpool's is Wade Wilson. You can definitely tell, like, that's a for sure. Like, that's a copy copy. They weren't even trying. Yeah, but at least Wade's a real name. I've yeah. never met a Slade. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, then we have Namor and Aquaman, both princes of Atlantis that are swimming people that can do water stuff. Did we compare them before? When I got to that list, I was like, this seems familiar to me. Maybe. I'm not okay. sure. Uh, Oscorp with LexCorp. Yeah. Uh, which is Norman Osborn's corporation and then Lex Luthor's. Um, we got Moon Knight is very similar to Batman, except like the inverse of, oh, instead of dark and broody, we'll do white and broody and kind of schizophrenic. So, because hmm. Moon Knight has a bunch of multiple personality disorder. And I mean, you'd say that Bruce Wayne is kind of crazy also because Batman, but. I actually, Mark at the comic shop suggested to me that Moonlight, Moon, Moonlight, Moon Knight 
was similar to Spider-Man, and that's why I should be reading him. Okay. So it's interesting that you say he's more like Batman, and Mark told me, at least at that time, that he was more like Spider-Man. Uh, hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot confirm nor deny. How about that? Uh, next is Angel from the X-Men. It's very similar to Hawkman from Justice Leagues and stuff. Basically, human body, uh, bird wings on their back. They're very, very similar with that standpoint. They can fly. Right. Uh, Reptile, which I know I talked about uh, a few weeks ago when the series was going on. Uh, Compare him to Beast Boy. They're both shape-shifting people. Uh, Beast Boy can do any sort of animal he wants. Reptile is any sort of dinosaur he wants. Uh, Beast Boy is green. Reptile is like an orange color. Um, So, yeah. Bucky Barnes and the Red Hood. They're both sidekicks to previous heroes that have, and both sidekicks have died in the past. Uh, Bucky was supposedly died in World War II and uh, Red Hood was Robin at the time and he died via Joker. Um, and my last two are really kind of pathetic, like how much of a copy they are. Uh, Tigra from Marvel versus Cheetah in DC. Both oh. female, both furry, both cat-like. Very similar like strength and that's about it. Kind I've of lame. never heard of Cheetah. And then the one that I have to say is the biggest copy that I've ever seen. Captain Boomerang from DC Comics and Boomerang from Marvel. Hmm. It's like, all right, uh, we like the shtick of throwing boomerangs. We'll just drop the captain and we're good to go. Yep, or we'll takes. add the captain. I don't know which one came first. I think Captain Boomerang came before regular Boomerang. But I was like, man, that is some lazy copyright. Like, we're not even <laughs> trying at this point. Like, no, yeah, we'll go with that. That's good. We'll be fine. So, yeah, he always makes me think of the, I think, shoot, I can't think of the name of the character, but he's from the Mega Man series. He's like a quick silver or something like that. And he's got a boomerang on his forehead and he throws boomerangs and there's another boomerang character. Yeah. So many boomerangs. <laughs> they just keep coming back. Whoa. I know. No way. Right? <laughs> that joke came from down under. I wasn't ah. expecting it. It was going counterclockwise or clockwise or whichever. I, I don't know which way. More than hemisphere <laughs> drains go. Over. I know one goes one way, the other goes the other. I don't know. I don't pay attention enough. Uh, but yeah. So that is our list of copycat characters. Yep. Sorry I got a little off the rails there, folks. Eh, but that's that, this whole podcast. That's the podcast is off the rails. If we're on the rails, that's a good night. So Yeah. We need Jared and Adrian to rein us in. Uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, we'll move on to our books that came out this week, Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. That's 222022 is our date today as we're recording this. Lots mm-hmm. of twos, but it's not Tuesday. It'd be great if today was a Tuesday. Yeah, someone on the internet wrote Taco Tuesday, and I was like, I, it blew my mind because I work nights now, so I don't know what day it is ever. Not that I ever did before, but. At least yeah. the 22nd of February of February is on a Tuesday. So that truly will be Tuesday. Taco 20 Tuesday. There you go. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) uh, books that came out this week that stood out to us. um, I'll go first with a quick mention of Dark Knights of Steel, number four, written by Tom Taylor, uh, art by Bendigal and Prianto. I don't know. DC does a terrible job of Telling on the cover or front area who does what. Uh, written Did by Tom they... Taylor. Art by just Bangle. No first name or last name. It's just one name. And color uh, color was by Arif Paranto. That's who's on the cover as well. Um, more Tom Taylor. More DC goodness of them taking place like in the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages, I should say, because it's the Dark Knights of Steel. Stuff like that. Um it's so good. If you haven't read this yet, they're actually reprinting slash collecting ep- issues one through three in like an oversized comic book format. So it's not like not a full on mm. trade, but a thicker book for like, I want to say seven or eight dollars. You can get all three in like in a perfect bound. Like whenever you see an annual book where they're slightly thicker, yeah. it's like that is how they're collecting one through three. So like that's kind of new. I don't know yeah. how I feel about it. It's not quite a comic book, not quite a graphic novel. But it's a good way to jump back in if you haven't had a chance to, if you missed out on the first couple issues. Yeah, I can't decide how I feel about that either. Yeah. 
I so, guess they got tired of reprinting the other issues. Maybe. Or they're, I don't know, they're trying something new. But yeah. but that one will be coming out soonish. I think, the next couple of weeks. And then you can pick up number four and just read singles, single issues after that if you want. Or I imagine they'll do one through three, four through six. Yeah, if they don't, I'll be really upset. Yeah, because like once you start with the format, you got to collect it that way. Mm-hmm. But it's a 12-issue miniseries. This is issue four. Uh, we get to see the origin of Bruce Wayne. And it was pretty cool. Like, it was definitely not the origin in regular DC comic books that you see. It is a newer version of that. And I'm cool with it. I thought it was really good. Can you spoilers if his parents still die? Um, Spoiler alert. Batman's parents are still dead. Bruce, okay. uh, Bruce's parents, Thomas and Martha, are dead. Okay. So, yeah. I didn't know if that would ruin it or not. Like, I guess it might have more if they weren't dead. I mean, it shows the flashback of them being still alive, so. Okay. Well, yeah, usually his origin story happens around their death. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, that was the little first one to me that stood out like, ooh, this is really good. How about you, Laura? The one I'm excited about, but I didn't actually take the time to read because... I, I know I'm going to like Spider-Man, so I don't always even bother to read it before the podcast. Well, and to be I clear, like, like unfair. you got home around 7, I left at 9, it gives you two hours to read it and do whatever else you want to do when you get home, so it doesn't give you a whole lot of time to read before the podcast. True. But yeah, I think the, the comic I'm most excited about, even though I didn't read it, was Amazing Spider-Man number 88 by Zeb Wells and Michael Dowling and Brian Valenza if I wrote that right. Um, there's a new-to-me, at least, character. I'm not going to lie. Like, I have not been able to follow Spider-Man since Ben Riley came back into the picture, which has been, like, six months or so. But like, I got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> that was between jobs and everything. You were busy. Yep. Holidays. But they brought in this Queen Goblin. And for a second, I was like, oh, that's Lily Hollister. But I was actually confusing that. Like, Lily Hollister is Menace and Queen Cat. And Menace, yeah, was a goblin character. So but, I remember yeah. Menace. I don't remember Queen Cat. I was in the Black Cat series. That'd be why I wouldn't know. <laughs> I think, like, she she showed up for a minute, and then she, like, went back into the shadows to, like, build up her group and whatever, and then come back to be a better m- Menace <laughs> to, <laughs> to Felicia Hardy. But I don't think she's laid out her plan yet although i've not kept up on the black cat either there's lots going on in the marvel universe and you all need to tell us what we need to read and focus on to tell you about listeners let us know in the comments but the the biggest thing that as i was flipping through this book that i came across was when like what i was really looking for was who is the queen goblin are they going to reveal it here but i should have known that they wouldn't but i just thought i was so hopeful and Ben, of course, he turns to her and he's like, oh, yeah, I do remember you. You're Clifford, the big red dog, right? And I was like, oh, that that's funny. Not the name I was looking for. I know that's not her name, but funny to me at least. So that's what I'm looking forward to, to like finish that punchline. Hopefully all the rest of the book lives up to that one line that made me laugh out loud. Someday I'll read number 88. Someday. Uh, next up on my list is Sabretooth number one uh, with an asterisk next to it of like it is only really, really good if you read the beginning of House and Powers and the beginning of the Dawn of X stuff where you got to see why Sabretooth is in this situation that he's in. He's in this pit in Krakoa and why, why is he there? What happened? Like you need to really care about Sabretooth or at least the X-Men to know, to enjoy this. Like I don't really care about Sabretooth as a whole, but the story that they did set up in the X-Men book, I'm like, oh, I want to see what happens when you get thrown into a pit forever. How does that work? Yeah. And this is only a five-issue miniseries. It's issue one. Um, it was pretty, it was very weird because there's like a whole bunch of stuff going on. I don't, <laughs> it's hard to talk about because it's kind of a major spoiler point, but mm. like, wow, this is weird but kind of really cool, and sometimes there are fates worse than death. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, what I called it, I, I don't think this should be too much of a spoiler. I called it a virtual reality dream, because he was kind of controlling what was going on, I felt like. 
but not exactly. He was still trapped, but he was like, I'm bored with this. Let's do this instead. Right. What else? How else can I screw with people? But I couldn't, I wasn't sure if the people were really there or not. It seemed very dreamlike. It was very, yeah. And then, yeah, it, it's weird. <laughs> and one page did mention they wondered where the pit really was. If it was like, they said Krakoa is a mutant itself somehow. Like, and they were like, the pit could be in its heart, it could be in its stomach, it could be in its brain, it could be in its butt. What is, where is this pit and what does it mean? It's like when Mystique shapeshifts and like, oh, I, I stabbed your vital organs. No, you didn't. I moved them with mm. my shapeshifting abilities. So Mystique is Krakoa. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. No. That, that's kind of like a Clayface versus Sandman again, where <sighs> Krakoa is more like Sandman where it can grow in size. Hmm. That sort of thing. Interesting. But, but not really. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Sabretooth. It was it was really weird, um, but it was good. And like I said, I think it definitely leans on. If you read beginning of the Dawn of X books, it's good to see that payoff of what happened to him and where's what is the ultimate punishment for people uh, for the mutants. Uh, anything else stand out in your list for this week? Sure, I might as well mention the the other thing I read. I try every week to read something like kind of out there that I don't think is really in my wheelhouse. Although a lot of times I still end up reading some sort of science fiction-y kind of thing. Although okay. I feel like that's a lot of comics too. And part of it was one of the books I looked at, it looked like it was a like a murder horror thing. And I was like, meh, I don't think I feel like talking about this even if I end up liking it. So the the book I picked up even though I wasn't like, yeah, I have to talk about this. It was eye-catching and drew me in. It was called New Masters Number 1, The Eye of Oranmilia. Sorry if I say that wrong. It's a weird word. Yeah. Yeah, part of what got me was like I flipped through a couple books first and I actually read the end of this one. There was a whole paragraph and the way the paragraph was written, it made me think that it was going to be like along the lines of Ms. Marvel, where you learn a lot more about the Muslim culture by reading it, because Ms. Marvel just like speckles things in like, oh, this is our tradition. I use this name to honor my parents, like different little things that you catch up on and you learn more about another culture. And I was like, oh, if that happens in this book, that'd be really cool. And maybe it happened, but because this culture is so different from what I'm used to, I don't think I picked up on a lot of it, if it was there. But the the main story, the main premise I got, was that Ola is the main character girl, and she has this droid named Ase, and they're actually obsidian scavengers, I would call them. Like, obsidian is the big uh, resource on Earth at this point. And you want to find that and you can turn it in for, like, trade it to get food, obviously, it, and money and so whatnot. It, it kind of reminds me of the beginning of Star Wars The Force Awakens when Rey is scavenging through a downed uh, Star Destroyer. Yeah. It reminds you a lot like, oh, we need to scavenge for this product, whatever it is. And then, yeah, trade it in for food credits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison, too. She even had a speeder bike, too. And yeah. It was, it was oddly similar. <laughs> Speaking of copycats. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch up on that. But yeah, that, that does sound right. And I felt like it was a lot of world building. Lots of characters were introduced, like the the guy she went to, the pawn shop kind of guy. Um, other characters who are, like there's some sort of politician person, I got the impression, or at least like the the leader of a big business, someone who's organizing stuff. And... At one point, they said, oh, Obsidian, we're going to run out, and it's going to be kind of the collapse of Earth's economy, and if we want to continue to be viable in the whole galaxy, no, solar system, sorry, because I think the main other group we worry about is the Jehovians, or sorry, jo Jovians. Sorry, I think Jehovians is a different thing. That, that's a Final Fantasy thing. Or that's a witness sort of thing. Yeah. Jovians, I think they're from Jupiter. Anyways, I, I got the impression that there's a specific trade in the Obsidian uh, resource with J Jovians. 
and when that runs out, what they need is the Eye of Orn Ornmelia. This is terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's okay. So side yeah. tangent. That's the problem with like these weird sci-fi books. Like they try to do weird names. Just say, oh, it's it's a weird sci-fi name. So mm -hmm. here we go. And then us normal people try to pronounce it. Like, wait, how does that? Wait, sorry, what now? Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, I don't think it's your fault. I think it's the just the way the story is written. Yeah, and it has a lot of umlauts and like like accents over the letters so i know that there's some emphasis on the syllables that i'm not getting down but i did i do think that this could go somewhere it could be really interesting i don't know that i'm going to personally follow it because i got a lot of spider-man to catch up on but if you're interested in a kind of sci-fi reminds you of trading in the desert like like, like you said the, the star wars idea and there's obviously space travel because they're trading with jupiter so if this is your thing go for it like let us know like write a review in the comments that says what you thought of yeah we want more uh listener feedback i was gonna say viewer but no one can see us i don't think uh, i i mean <laughs> even the cat's not watching she's asleep but we are that great yeah i mean her her ears twitched a little bit but that's good uh and the last thing i want to mention uh was a i'll be honest i didn't read this book originally because i was like i don't care but then i came in today and mark was like oh you should read it because it's kind of it's got like a kamala khan or a young peter parker vibe to it hey that's why i was hoping out of this one yeah uh <laughs> and that is monkey prince number one it is a dc title um it is a 10 i believe 10 issue miniseries it's a brand new character near as we can tell it's brand new we're not familiar mm -hmm. with them um, where he's a kid uh, in high school in Gotham where he's had some trauma going on and he gets this weird power where he can transform into a monkey. He apes out? Sort of like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's written by Gene Luen Yang, who ah. came to our store several years ago. Um, art is by Chang and then Chang, C-H-A-N-G, and then the second name is C-H-E-N-G, uh, it does not have the first name, just has their those names, so that, that is what it is. Is it in the back? Don't they sometimes have the very, very last page has the information? Um, oh, wait, no. I'm not paying attention. It's at the top of the book. Uh, <laughs> so Bernard Chang and Sebastian Chang. So okay. Bernard Chang is the artist. Sebastian is the colorist. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, I, like I said, when I looked on the shelf by itself, I was like, ah, I don't really care. Like, it's a weird monkey. And then you get like a pig elephant man in the background. Um, <laughs> but Mark said, hey, you got, you should check it out. It's like I said, he's like, he compared it to Ms. Marvel and uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And I'd say it's more like a young Peter Parker more than anything because he seems a little extra. I mean, Kamala's a little nerdy, but like Peter is extra nerdy mm -hmm. and this kid seems extra nerdy um he gets picked on it has like there's other dc references going on like you see batman shows up uh, robin shows up um i forget who all else but i but like it's not just oh brand new character isolated from other you know characters but like the first or the, the second page has batman and they're like, oh, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. And you find out it's something going on with his parents. We see, we hear a reference to Mr. Freeze and the Riddler, but we see a uh, penguin in here. So, like, there's a lot going on. And it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. It, it threw me off where one page is sideways. So you have to turn it mm. sideways to read it vertically instead of horizontally. But other than that, like, it was really good. And I don't know. It's weird. It's cool. It's a 10 issue miniseries. Uh, I subscribed us to it, so uh, <laughs> so I can get started. So you can get started on it if you want. Was that in the stack this morning? Or did it was you... not because okay. I, I like I said, I completely skipped it last night. Yesterday, I brought home books. I was like, eh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm missing out. And I need then, to come out to the store. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then Mark was like, "You should read this." It was his pick of the week. I was like, "Really? That's your pick of the week?" I I I gave him some side eye judge on that. Uh, but then I read it. I was like, "Oh crap." This He's is good. Right. This is really good. <laughs> so yeah, um, that is Monkey Prince. 
So with that, we'll move on to the final segment of the podcast where it's our podcast book club. Yay. Where this week we're talking about Noctera. If you don't want to read Noctera and hear spoilers about it, before you turn it off, next week we're going to be talking about Superman Red Sun. That's assuming weather is cleared up and then Jared will be here because if Jared's not here, you'll be at work, Laura. So oh. I don't want to do it by myself. So, assuming weather's clear, knock on wood, cross fingers, whatever, um, next week we're going to talk about Superman Red Sun. Uh, this week, again, we're going to talk about Noctera. This is Noctera, Volume 1, Full Throttle Dark, mm-hmm. um, by Scott Snyder, Tony Daniel, and Tamu Mori. I don't know how to pronounce that first name. Sounds good to me. Um, I... Uh, if you're an avid listener to the podcast, you know that Jared and Adrian really enjoy it. It's pretty much always their picks of the week, whatever comes out, they are hooked on it. And after reading it, I get why. And I can see the curiosity and the cliffhangers of what's going on. Um, quick version of the story. It follows this main character. I forget what her name is. Val Riggs. Good job. Is that her trucker name or her actual name name? Her trucker name, her call sign is Sundog. Sundog. See, this is you make good yep. notes. Yep. I usually write down names. Yep. <laughs> that's and the that, main thing in my notes. And that's why I don't need to worry about this time because I, I knew you would have the notes down on that. So good job. Yeah. Her brother or, yeah, her younger brother, M, or yep. short for Emery. Yep. Um, he's starting to get infected by the darkness. Uh, if you stay out of the sunlight. So. Oh, yeah. Backstory. Forgot uh, a part. Yeah. The sun disappeared. There is no daylight at all. For some, we don't know why, what's going on. It just, it is. If you're in the darkness too long, you turn into these shade monsters, these dark monsters, yeah. these hushers or whatever they called. Shades. Shades. Well, and, the, and smudges. The smudges. That's the word yeah. I was looking for, is when they're human shades. They're, they call them smudges. Mm-hmm. Um, where he, started, and- he got infected. Um, she gets home. We're like, all right, you know, we're doing these. She's a truck driver because that's... I mean, it's as we are living through now, supply chain, supply chain, supply chain. Exactly. Uh, so she is a supply chain driver. They of, call them ferrymen. Ferrymen, yes. Of people and goods. They don't really show a whole lot of them transporting goods back and forth. It seems mostly people, which makes sense why it's a ferryman instead of like just a delivery person. Yeah, I think some of the point of the story is to focus on one slash two particular runs. Right. So. Because her services get hired by somebody who just happens to be on her rig. Right. So, yeah, it's they get to the town. We're like, oh, you know, you're dying, little brother. But, you know, I have this gig should be, you know, take me to another location that will have this thing that will should it won't necessarily cure you, but it'll stave off the infection. You'll be able to live human. No problem. And, of course, you find out that that little bastion of civilization got destroyed. There's nothing left. And like, oh, my hopes are dashed. But then there's a mystery guy with his granddaughter saying, hey, the sun is real. I know where to get it. Here's a sunburn to prove that, you know, I know where it's at. I need you to take me to wherever. And, of course, she's skeptical because she's no gullible anybody. He's like, yeah, whatever. But then she sees how far the disease has progressed in her brother. Like, all right, desperate times. Yep, nothing to lose. Nothing, I mean, that's all she cares about is her is her brother because they're yeah. the rest of their family's dead. So that's it. And all right, we're take the gig. Chaos ensues. Uh, del- driving to a different to the destined holdout facility. Um, the Garden EOS. EOS, maybe EOS. is what okay. is what I would call it. Okay. Um. But yeah, they, of course, you know, it's not as easy. Oh, we'll drive there and we get there. No problem. There's this new bad guy, which is named. Blacktop Bill. I was like, I know it was was black something rather because he's all (laughs) like, it looks like he's like a full body leather suit, but I don't think that's what it is. Yeah. I almost feel like it's some sort of like he can control the darkness that's taken over him. Like it's everything but his gums in this instance. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> it is kind of, it reminds me of Venom, a symbiote of yeah. sorts. Um, and then we see, I mean, jumping ahead, we do see other people that have that same similar suit on too. So it's not just him. He's not the only person. Yeah. It seems some sort of secret society organization is training, conditioning people. It's like a Weapon X program. Like, mm. here, you 
you are special assassins. You have the special suit. I don't know if that makes them completely immune to the darkness of transforming or not. It seems to be the case, but they also have, like mm-hmm. weird melt your face powers with their yeah. hands, and it's really weird. But I mean, it's, it's sci-fi. It's I mean, it's a unique <laughs> story. I'll give it that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and they do end up making it to the Bastion area. Well, sort of. I mean, I guess all of them do make it after you know the grandpa gets caught by the blacktop guy and gets transformed into a shade. And yeah, you find out this the area is true where there is a some sort of holdout where they actually have natural some sort of natural light. They call it like God light and and the Lux. Yeah, it's they start throwing a lot of theology and sci-fi and everything. Just <laughs> they just cram it all together and make it work. But they find and it cures M Emery from his illness disease. And holy crap, uh, Grandpa Crazy Dude was correct. Sort of. I mean, of course, his sunburn wasn't a real sunburn. It was some sort of allergy rash. But he got the job done. Oh, they did say that in there. Okay. At first, I was thinking it was because they also they blame Grandpa Augustus um, for destroying the sun. Like it was some experiment that he was trying to prove that there were these nine different uh, terras, like almost like our worlds are stacked and parallel, and there's the dark through the light. And I wrote in my old notes, like I don't remember it in this one. But in my old notes, I wrote that Noctera is, like, level four. Luxterra is level one. And I think that there's also, like, the the bad Terra is level nine, where, like, the darkness is. Lux is the super light one. There's a dark one, and then we're supposed to be in the middle. But, like, the big PM happened because they broke through the boundary trying to get to the light one, and they went to the dark one instead. They... they- they put on channel four instead of channel three. Yeah. Yeah. They screwed up their NES. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they're definitely trying to reach like, oh, this is God level. Like we'll be, able, we'll be able to talk directly to God if we do this weird experiment. And no. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. God said, um, hell no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, um, dark no. <laughs> but then, yeah, there's this whole, do these creatures, Oh, they have this weird language. Who are they talking to? Mm-hmm. HEPA uh, language. Um, how how do they communicate? It seems like a hive mind of sorts where they can just telepathically connect to each other and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole lot of weird sci-fi going on. But it works. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm definitely going to read more. Um, the good news mm-hmm. is this is issues one through six. Issue seven and single issue came out this week as well. So if you were reading the trade, you can say, hey – I don't want to wait for the next trade. There's a single issue. I'll start reading that. Yeah, I was really excited, but I was also a little sad because I was like, I don't want to read the next issue because I only want to talk about what's happening in this book. And if I know what happens next, I will talk about it. So I like denied myself a Noctera for you, listener, so that I could focus on this book and only tell you about the one trade that is out now. And I will say the entirety of this book is written per- from the perspective of the bigger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, it's her telling, like, oh, do I trust the kid? You know, where were you when the PM happened? Well, mm-hmm. the PM happened for me every, you know, like there's five different sections. Like once when I gained my sight originally because I was originally blind. Mm-hmm. One when my parents died. One when my brother got infected. One when whatever. Like, yeah. Everyone has their own story. Even if it was before you were born, you have your version of that, of a key pivotal trauma in your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I love the art in this, too. Like, every page, like the shading and the different colors and how vibrant things are. Well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say vibrant. But There are lots of nice colors, but they're, they blend together well. It definitely has, like, a neon glow feel to it. Yeah. Like, and it's a dark book, but not so dark you can't tell what's going on, too. Yeah. I think they do a really good job of, oh, we sh- we see a lot of darkness in the background, but the characters you're supposed to see and everything, you can see fine. I think that is part of, like, the story, too. Like, the characters are lit up because that staves off the infection. Like, yeah, they, they are wearing Christmas lights. It reminded me of your beard lights, too. <laughs> a little bit, I yeah. was like, you are ready for this apocalypse. Well, and the girl, <laughs> the granddaughter, like, when you first see her, she has like these 
glowing cat ears mm-hmm. headband sort of thing too. It's like everyone has their own way of identifying themselves and doing their own thing. And it's just it's really cool, especially the technology that they came up with. Like, oh, you can you're good at this, so you do that job. You do this, so you do that. Like it's it's really diverse and it's pretty cool. Like Yeah, Emery's her guy in the chair. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just it's good. I can definitely see why Adrian and Jared were talking about it all these times before. Mm-hmm. Um and I will say issue seven that came out this week is from a different narrator's perspective. I was starting to get that impression when you said this one is specifically from Val's perspective. Yes. So it changes perspective in, in issue seven. I don't want to give away too many spoilers, even though you find out real quick who it is. But I'm going to leave that as a tease for you to read number seven after you read this trade. Is it in the house right now? Uh, No, I didn't okay. buy it. <laughs> I mean, you, the, the listener. The so... I mean, if you want, we can start buying in singles. If you want, I can add that to our list tomorrow. Yeah, but, we probably should. Okay. I didn't, well, I didn't know if you want to stay in trades since we got trades already. Sold. So. Um, actually, I was really disappointed before that we didn't get it in singles. I, like, that's the problem I'm having with getting the the preview ahead of time is that, oh, I think that this is mine now and it's not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting spoiled. So yep. I need to be more clear about what we need to be ordering because I think we reached like three or four and Jared and uh, Adrian were still talking about it. And I was like, that came out this week? What? Why don't I have it? So we, because, we need to get on the... Because, uh, list, lovely listeners, after issue two or three, it's not going to be on the wall anymore. It's subs only. So yep. that's why. Become a subscriber. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that is Noctera, a quick review. I, I mean... I know this is our spoiler-filled version, but, like, that's a lot that happens, like, mm-hmm. and it still has a cliffhanger, so. Uh, if you were give this a rating, one being bad, five being great, where would you give this at a one to five scale? I think I'd even give it a five. I really like this. Like I said, the, the art does a lot for me, and it was a great story. It's well-contained. I think it's clear what's going on, and, yeah, I I really enjoyed it a lot. So I think it's a five. I would say even a five as well. Uh, Art was good. Uh, For me, the story had enough twists and turns to the plot that I really enjoyed. Like, oh, I was not expecting this or that. Or like, oh, this person seems too good to be true. Yep, I was right. They were Mm -hmm. too good to be true. Yeah. So, and it's really cool. And issue seven was really cool too. I I know you haven't read it yet, Mm -hmm. but I really liked it because... It's a narrative change, and like you see, it translates really well from the ending of this to the beginning of that. Okay. So yeah, that is Noctera. Um, so now we're to the segment that Jared always forgets about. Oh crap! That's what he would say. Uh, and that is our hero of the week, comic book related or otherwise. I'll go first. I want to. I want to cheat. I want to say it's going to be our neighbor Charlie. Because with this bad snowstorm that's going to be hitting, I know he's probably going to plow our driveway for us. And I'll be mm-hmm. super appreciative of it. Because what takes him maybe five minutes to plow our driveway would take us half hour, hour. So, yeah. And We're kind of not strong. He, he gets to play in his tractor that he got. And <laughs> it saves us from having to shovel stuff. So I will say in advance, thank you, Charlie. We're going to send you some mashed potatoes because <laughs> I know you said you like them. So Yay. And who do you want to say your hero of the week is? Hmm. I've been trying to think of a good one all day. I didn't really yet. Like, I'm a little torn because I don't want to sound like a brown noser. But I guess I might as well. Um, I really appreciated at work one of my supervisors. I'll, I'll not be a total brown noser and just say one of my supervisors. Like, I... Almost stuck my foot. Well, I, I think I definitely stuck my foot in my mouth a little bit on the radio at work the other day, and she was able to tell me, even though you kind of shouldn't have said what you said, you're right. I agree with you, but try not to say that again, okay? <laughs> and I thought it was really well how she put it, and I appreciated that she told me I was wrong and right. In the same breath. You were correct, a, but yeah. the way you said it was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so. that's a good way to play the diplomatic, like, all right, I agree. However, you can't be a jerk about it. Yep. 
that sort of thing. That's sort of her job. <laughs> and I thought she did a good job of her job. So she can be my hero. She didn't make you mad. She didn't make you feel bad, but you And will, I didn't even cry. But ooh, but you will change the way you go Oh, forward. probably not. Because <laughs> probably not. But I should. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> it made you want to almost change. <laughs> almost. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, with that almost change, uh, we'll say thanks for listening. Um, thanks for subscribing to the podcast. Thanks for sharing said podcast. Thanks for interacting with us in store and out of store and whatnot. Um, hopefully, we'll be in store. Let's see. This will drop on Thursday. So let's. hopefully, you might see us in the store today if we're not shut down because of weather conditions. Yep. What did you say? Level two is your yeah, cutoff? The plan is if we hit level two, we're, if we're already there, we're going home early. If we're not there yet, we're not going in. So, okay. Uh, but we'll see what happens. We'll see how the weather goes tonight and go from there. Um, but otherwise, like I said, barring any complications, we should be back next week. Uh, reminder, next week will be Superman Red Sun. We don't know the subject matter will be yet, but we'll figure that out. We have plenty of time to figure out the day before. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, with that, thanks for listening, uh, and we will see you next time. Bye. When Inkblot's sleeping, she looks so angry. <laughs> Like, she is. Like, her face is down. She's like, oh, they're still talking. This is my basement. This is where I sleep. Urgh. Growl. Growl. <laughs>